Going beyond the headlines? Getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Greetings and salutations, friends. Hope all is well with you and yours. It was certainly a week many of us won't soon forget. We spent a lot of time on the show listening in on what Alberta's Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, as well as Premier Jason Kenney, Mayor Nahed Nenshi, and SEMA Chief Tom Sampson had to say about the latest with the coronavirus pandemic. And while we could focus on those speeches in the Calgary Today podcast, I thought what we would do is share some of the stories of positivity, togetherness, and community building. Great stories really resonated on social media about individuals, groups, and organizations coming together to put a smile on neighbors' faces. This is the Calgary Today podcast. Christopher Doyle joining us now from next door which is an app dedicated to sharing positivity also sharing some uh help if you need it also sharing some stories of people who want to step up and help you for example so uh christopher joins us now on the program tell us a little bit more about your app yes you know next door is the essential neighborhood hub so we are all about cultivating kindness and making sure that everyone has a neighborhood that they can rely on. And this, as we're finding, and the feedback we're getting Canadians is no more relevant than it is right now. Uh, People are looking to their local communities. They're looking to help their neighbors in need. And that's really what Nextdoor is all about. So when they open up the Nextdoor app or when they open up Nextdoor, what are they going to be greeted by? Yeah, exactly. So right now, go and download the app or go to nextdoor.ca. And what you'll see as you get into your neighborhood is you will see that we are connecting people in need. And these might be um, people who are over 60 or who have, you know, lessened immune systems or who are ill already. We want to connect those people in need with neighbors locally who are willing to help. So there are many people across the country we're seeing this, um, and especially in Calgary as well, where people are offering to help. So that could be mean picking up groceries and dropping them off to someone who maybe doesn't want to go out right now or dropping off essential medications. So we're making it easier right now on Nextdoor to connect those people and making sure that everyone, again, has someone that they can rely on very locally. Because I think our fear is that as this so-called social distancing sort of increases, which means that people are not around people as often, we want to make sure that people are still connected. And it's also, Nextdoor is a great way to do that. How important was it for you to try to differentiate yourself? Because obviously you have the behemoths like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and all these different other apps. And so how do you try to differentiate yourself and make sure that you don't fall down maybe some of those other paths that have been taken yes we are all about kindness i think that's really at the root of it so i like to say like when the reason for being is stated as you know we're here to connect you to your neighbors in a kind way and in a helpful way that really changes the lens through which you operate on a platform like Nextdoor. So again, um, you know, Nextdoor happens to be very, very big in Calgary. And if anyone hasn't joined yet, if you join, you'll see the offers of help. You know, people are offering to help. They're willing to give recommendations. And in times of need, they're there to pick something up and drop something off. So I feel like we're very different. And we're also hyper-local, which is different for us. So it is contained to a neighborhood level. And it's also real people, real verified people. Uh, which really, really helps kind of make it a more civil and helpful environment. How important was that aspect of it is making sure that there's a a key denominator to that being the kindness factor and making sure that you are trying to look out for your neighbors? 
yeah, it's core and essential to everything that we do. You know, the founders of Nextdoor actually created it with this type of situation of need in mind. And they felt that, you know, we didn't know our neighbors as well as we used to and as well as we should. And it was all about connecting people at a kindness level. And so, you know, we're finding it's really been heartwarming to see, like, across the country, people are offering support. You know, we had we saw a post in one neighborhood where um, a very kind lady offered up formula for any new moms who may be feeling nervous or maybe who are under the weather and didn't want to go out and get any. We've seen another one saying um, that they've got, you know, extra supplies and extra groceries or that they were willing to go to the store and drop things off for a neighbor and that's the kind of thing that we love to spread on next door it's really what we're all about so we're about spreading kindness and we could use a lot more of that right now obviously there's going to be a lot of outpouring of hey i'm willing to do this hey i'm willing to mm-hmm. do that but how do you get people to kind of uh, swallow their pride i guess for lack of a better term and say yeah i need some help too yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. You know, one of the things that we've done is once you sign up for Nextdoor or, or get the app, you'll see that we've made it easy with a pre-populated post where if you're in need of help, um, you can let people know. And um, I think, too, we're making it easier to, uh, if you are vulnerable and you feel like you need some help, we're making it easier to find people close to you that can help out. You know, we've also seen people on their own sort of create these flyers uh, with Nextdoor, you know, just dropping them in people's uh, doorstep or, or mailbox and just letting them know, hey, I'm here to help. Like I can I can drop off groceries or if you need anything, just let me know and they leave their phone number. So it's this type of thing that Nextdoor has always been about. Like we've always been about connecting people in real life. Now, of course, with that comes some risk right now. Like we want to make sure that people aren't, you know, going into houses and they're very respectful and leaving items on a doorstep, for example. So we're being clear around, you know, being safe as well. But I think it's at the end of the day, it's about helping people and making sure that everyone knows they have a neighbor that they can rely on. Is there a bit of an accountability pillar in this as well, where, you know, the the good neighbors get to stand out kind of thing and the the not so good neighbors, the ones that might have made a misstep or two along the way also kind of are held responsible for their actions? That's interesting. You know, I think we've seen this type of, you know, I guess uh, communities getting together um, online, similar to a way that they would get together in real life. So, of course, not right now, as you know, we know, um, you know, larger gatherings have been banned. But if you like to think of Nextdoor as a a virtual gathering place of your neighborhood, right? Mm So, you know, how would you how would you act if you kind of got together at a a neighborhood block party or at a neighborhood barbecue, right? You you know, in person, you would be uh, you'd be polite as we are as Canadians, and you'd be helpful. And um, there'd be some really helpful and interesting conversation happening. And that's sort of like what Nextdoor is, but online. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there is a certain accountability that comes when you sign up for Nextdoor, because again, you are um, saying that you are who you say you are mm-hmm. online. Uh, so when you sign up for that, um, you know, so it creates a greater accountability. Like Nextdoor is not the place for bots and trolls and anonymous accounts. It's it's a place to participate in your community where you live, right? So mm-hmm. that's what we like about it. And that's really what cultivates that kindness that we talk so much about, because that's really, that's our core objective. And given that, obviously, this is going to be thrown into the spotlight, given that we're, you know, people are spending more time at home and all that kind of stuff. Is, are there other mm-hmm. things that are maybe on the horizon for next door in terms of uh, maybe some of the things that need to change just based off of, uh, you know, the, the current situation or the things that you'd like to improve on going forward to make sure that's a, a more uh, called viable app yeah one of the things that we are doing is we're making sure that 
neighborhoods at the very local level have access to verified information. So we actually work with official sources. So we are partnered with the Canadian Red Cross and anyone on Nextdoor will see how visible they are on our platform. So what's amazing about that for neighbors is that they're giving you real time accurate information on how to stay safe and the steps to take in your local neighborhood. We're also working with them and other government agencies to make sure that we're giving neighbors, you know, all the tools and resources. So, you know, one of the examples is to make sure that you're staying informed and spreading accurate information. Mm -hmm. It's also making sure that you're staying connected locally, um, you know, and that you're helping those in need. I think it's really important as we sort of this increasing isolation right now, like people are being told to stay home, but mm -hmm. we want to make sure that there are still some people who are very vulnerable and we want to make sure that they have the lifeline they need. And that's going to mean a neighbor just down the street. And we've seen so many examples of that already, you know, with especially with a lot of what's going on with uh, panic buying and such. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's one of the tips we've had with the Red Cross is that, you know, there's no need to do that, um, but it's happened. So there are some vulnerable neighbors who haven't been able to get out and do shopping. So we want to make sure that they have access to food, um, you know, and it's going to have to happen at a very local level. So we're really here to help that. Absolutely. And again, neighbors helping neighbors. What more can you ask mm -hmm. for? And a different way of getting maybe getting to know your neighbors as well. Uh, Christopher, I do appreciate your time this afternoon. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Joe. Lourdes uh, One is with uh, Fresh Roots and joins us now here on the program. And Lourdes, uh, walk us through what Fresh Roots is all about first and foremost. Hi, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Fresh Roots mm. is a mobile grocery store that does pop-ups in different locations in Calgary and gives Calgarians the opportunity to purchase healthy and affordable food in neighborhoods where it's needed the most. So we're looking at many of the vulnerable and marginalized neighborhoods that are food insecure. And one of those uh, vulnerable populations right now happens to be seniors complexes. I know a lot of people are talking about what the affect is going to be on them. And you've been working on a plan to figure out how to help out those communities, haven't you? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we know that food security is going to skyrocket during these times. And unfortunately, the most at-risk populations for contracting COVID-19 and the most at-risk population for food security is our seniors. And so we have had a few seniors markets uh, where we do the pop-up grocery store already um, tell us that we're not allowed to do sort of social setting markets. And so we've put together a plan to do one-to-one -one deliveries so that they're not going to a grocery store and they are still, still getting the at-home service. And that's one of the things that really comes out in all of this is that, hey, you know, especially from, even from my standpoint, let alone someone who uh, might be a little older, is it can be daunting to think about having to go to the grocery store given what you see online. It can be daunting to ask someone, hey, can you go get my, uh, get my prescriptions at the drugstore? I mean, this is one less thing that they have to worry about if you're able to get, uh, get these delivered right to their doorstep. Oh, absolutely. And, we, you know, we run a food dignity model so that they can choose what they're buying. They can purchase it at that affordable rate. You know, I think what we're seeing now is grocery stores are lined up, but there are thousands of vulnerable people who just can't do that. They can't get to a grocery store because of mobility. They can't afford the things at the grocery store and they can't stockpile. So while that's not an option because they're on a tight budget um, and they can't go to these locations where they could be exposed to the virus, um, we wanted to come up with a solution that's still maintain their dignity and still got them the food that they needed. 
So you, I know you've been fairly busy. You and I have been messaging back and forth to make sure today could happen. And uh, you've been busy on the phone. Have you been able to finalize a bit of a solution on your front, or is that still to be uh, determined? Yeah, actually, so we are working with residents and building managers who can help take orders. So we're going to fill um, one-to-one orders. We're going to go um, old school is what I like to call it, which is pen and paper, and they're going to fill out the order, and then we're going to fulfill that order. So we may need some volunteers in the coming weeks, um, and we are looking for other seniors' residences that uh, we could perhaps work with so that we can do the same system um, and we can replicate it throughout many different complexes in Calgary that need it. Sounds wonderful. From a community standpoint, anything that they should be keeping in mind or if they're hearing this and going, that sounds like something I could utilize, where would you point them to? They can go to freshroots.ca and they can contact us off the website. We're also all on social media, but the website's the best way to get a hold of us. Um, And I just think it's important that, you know, Calgarians know that we're going to get through this together and that each and every one of us has to step up to help those most most vulnerable. Well, we appreciate you stepping up in this time of need. Lord S, thank you so much for joining us on the show this afternoon. Thanks, Joe. Michelle Roche joining us now here on the program and uh, all in the name of St. Patrick's Day, Michelle, give us, give our listeners a bit of a snapshot as to what you decided to do. Yeah, for sure. So I saw this post going around on Facebook yesterday, sort of inviting parents who are home with their children unexpectedly to make a shamrock and put it on their window um, facing a road so that we could all go for a walk later with our families and count how many shamrocks that we could see. So I was like, what a great idea, but we don't live on a road that faces a main street. We're kind of tucked in behind in a community. So I'm like, well, we want to participate. How can we do this? So what we ended up doing was making 10 different shamrocks and we put some little phrases on it like hope and enjoy this time together and all of that. And we went for a walk in the community and taped them up on, you know, mailboxes, signs, we put one in front of the senior center, just kind of scattered throughout the community, um, just to kind of do our piece. And while we were out there for, you know, maybe 45 minutes, we had people honking at us, waving at us, yelling out their window at us, and um, lots of smiles and happy people. So that's kind of how it started. And then from there, it sounds like the community kind of bought in as well. The street kind of turned into its own uh, Irish luck, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. A couple of the neighbors um, saw us out there and decided to jump in and make their own little signs and put them up on their windows and then on the street as well. So throughout our community of Pine Ridge, there's shamrocks kind of everywhere, which is amazing. How cool was it from your standpoint to kind of show your 11-year-old, hey, this is the power of community when you think of something outside the box, all of a sudden uh, it kind of grows exponentially? Yeah, totally. So I am a community service worker. I work at the Calgary Women's Centre volunteering often. So I love giving back to people. For me, that's just who I am. Um, But from an 11-year-old standpoint, it's kind of like, "Mm, what's the point? What's in it for me? Um, And so yesterday was our first day home with him, and we decided we were going to take a homeschooling approach, but be more practical. Um, And with everything going on, we really wanted him to have a sense of community and see what it's like to give back. So I'll be honest, he wasn't um, super stoked on it to begin with. He was like, why? (laughs) Why are we doing this? Right? He didn't quite get it. But once we got out there and we started hanging them up and he started seeing people wave and honk at us, he, he was getting excited and he kind of, he saw that all come back to him. Right. So pretty cool. 
Absolutely. Well, kudos, Michelle, on teaching not only your son, but maybe even a few people out there about the power of community. And thanks so much for joining us on the show this afternoon. Thanks. Have a good day. the storylines that I wanted to bring up to date is the situation with Immigrant Services Calgary as they are used to the face-to-face conversations and guidance that they give to newcomers to our city and CEO Haider Hassan joins us here on the program for a little bit more in-depth conversation about some of those changes and maybe start there Haider what have you been changing in your office? Absolutely you know what we're trying to do is we are trying to move all services to an online environment so that we are we continue to serve our clients through our website through intake process uh, virtually and a couple of weeks ago we launched uh, a mobile app called welcome to alberta uh, this is for all newcomers and we are trying to make some uh, escalated updates to it to ensure that we can serve our clients how much more challenging is it from your perspective, especially for newcomers to our country who not only have the, the usual barriers to face, but now you have coronavirus over top of it all? Yes, this is something that I think, uh, you know, we try to think that we're the knowledge translators uh, of all the client concerns. Uh, some of the barriers, there's actually two main barriers. One is language. We heard some concerns of some newcomers uh, because they don't have access to radio or TV um, they ended up uh, sending their kids to school, for example. Mm-hmm. So, so we do a lot of work in making sure that we can translate all of our announcements in, in first language. Um, and then the other thing is our team, they're the real heroes. Uh, our team, they've worked overnight on the weekend to make sure that we're doing the triage properly. And then every single client is actually being followed up on uh, through phone. And the last thing is we've also deployed our team uh, to work from home. How do you promote socialization for a community that typically feels pretty isolated, especially in those initial stages of moving to a, a new province, a new country, a new territory? Absolutely. I think the the main thing is sense of belonging. How do you create that sense mm-hmm. of belonging? And our teams have done a remarkable job over the past few weeks. Uh, we've been conducting this thing called the virtual career fair, where you just log in um, and last time we did this fair, we had 2,000 plus newcomers that were logged in. And you can listen to group sessions. You can sign up for individual counseling. So what our team is doing is we're trying to take that concept and make it about um, newcomer networking. So we're going to be launching something really soon here. We're still in the works. As, as you know, the situation is changing by the minute. Mm-hmm. And our team is adapting. Uh, but we do have plans to deploy this online so we can continue the networking and making sure that sense of belonging is not impacted. Are you putting more of an onus on you and your team, essentially, to make sure that those lines of communication remain open? Because it's so easy, especially when you know you're doing it in person, is, hey, I've got this um, appointment that I need to get to, as an example, whereas now it's very much uh, an ebb and flow situation. Yes, we've been talking about uh, one of the pillars that Immigrant Services Calgary has is innovation, and the second one is collaboration. So in these times, you know, we always say that stormy waters uh, make the best captains. And I'm proud of our team that the word that we're using internally is adaptability. So how quickly can we be can we be adaptable to the changing circumstances and ensure that uh, our teams are well well equipped? So I think. The onus is, again, on our teams. Without ensuring that we have human capacity, 
uh, we cannot be of any service to our clients. How busy has your phone been, especially on the partnership side and talking to other organizations within the community so that everybody is working together? Yes, I'm happy to say that, you know, in Calgary and Alberta, you know, we have an action bias and the phone has been ringing nonstop. And uh, from all levels of government, from community partners, from fellow immigrant servicing agencies. So we're all working together. And I think that's the beauty of our province and our city is that, you know, we don't we actually rise to the occasion in these times. Uh, so I'm really happy with the collaboration that's taking place. Could we do it better? Absolutely. We're looking at a couple of different things here. There's a couple of hackathons that are going on, discussions with the uh, government. Uh, right before I joined you, we were on a call with the with the premier and the minister of social services, um, and we we're talking about a lot of different strategies that we could deploy. I know uh, we talked uh, a few weeks ago when you did launch that app. For those who want to get in touch with that now or, or to be able to pre- find some resources, where would you point them towards? Yes, I would say the best uh, bet is to go to our website because as needs are changing, we're going to continuously update our website, which is www.immigrantservicescalgary.com. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much, Hyder, for the update this afternoon, and thank you for joining us. Sounds like a plan. And by the way, you can also find the app on uh, the App Store under Welcome to Alberta and same thing on Google. Laura Zarka is an advanced care paramedic here in Calgary and joins us now. And, And Laura, you've started the Code 15 project. What's this all about? Hi, yeah, so Code 15 Project is a nonprofit initiative for first responders' mental health. So we provide them with accessible resources and peer-to-peer support in the community. And you've gone to a different kind of length this time around with a new campaign about cards. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, so obviously with the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, it's really highlighted the need for our first responders' mental health to be a priority. So paramedics, firefighters, police officers, and all the other folks like your sister who's a nurse on the front line, they're serving our community selflessly. Um, And at the same time, they're facing the same struggles at home that we have with this pandemic. So we wanted to show our support and give them encouragement and gratitude. And we're actually just asking the kids that are home from school anyways to make a card or a picture or a craft and to say thank you to the first responders who are working tire- tirelessly for us and uh people what can made, submit them oh. sorry i was gonna say what what made you decide to go this particular route you know i as a first responder i, w- I worked through some some other stuff like the ebola scare and um i received a card in the mail uh from one of my one of my co-workers children and it was just so innocent and beautiful and it was a reminder that you know people really do care about us when we're feeling pretty low Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that um, that aspect of it from you've been there, but give us a little bit more in terms of just the, the feeling you get when you get this, you know, essentially a complete stranger sending you just a, a little note of thanks. Yeah, like I think as first responders, you know, especially in these times, you put your boots to the ground and your nose down and you're just so focused on getting the work done that you, you know, inevitably become really isolated from the outside world and now we have the literal isolation on top of that as well. So it's kind of twofold. And, you know, that reminder that people can see us and that we exist and they are 
thankful for the hard work that we're doing when we really are barely functioning half of the time. It's really important to kind of shed some hope and a a bit of light into the darkness of times like this. So kids have a beautiful way of of doing that with their innocence and and their um, kindness and gratitude. So... And as you mentioned, it might prove to be a bit of a, you know, an afternoon worth of a craft or whatever the case may be for parents who are wondering what they should be doing with their kids. Yeah, and I think it's a great opportunity for parents as well to maybe instill a bit of gratitude into their children and to teach them a little bit about first responders and what this really is all about. Because despite the fact we're all at home isolated, um, we are a community and we are standing together and we're going to work together to make sure that this doesn't just destroy us as humans and there's a lot of humanity behind what we're trying to accomplish here. So I think as a parent myself, I taught my daughter, Hey, let's say thank you to the people who are out there working and they have no choice. So what does it mean to the healthcare professionals like yourself, who even, even the, uh, the kindness that is being, uh, thrown in your direction, even on social media and that from others who are saying, listen, we've got to, we got to step up for our, our healthcare professionals. It's huge. It, it really does impact us. Again, you know, you're so focused on the work that needs to be done. Inevitably, as, you know, first responders, the call volume goes up quite a bit at times like this. People are scared. And first responders are humans. So we also have a lot of fear at this time. Um, so when we see people showing us gratitude and acknowledging our hard work, it really helps us to keep going and motivates us that, you know what, we're not in this for no reason. It, it boosts morale quite a bit. And it really just helps us remember why we're doing this. So let's say somebody's listening to this program and they go, that's a great idea. We're going to have the kids do something tomorrow. If they get that artwork together, where do they send it? How do they get it into your hands? Yeah, so currently, obviously, with what's going on, we aren't doing any physical exchanges. But what they can do is, you know, make a craft, a card, a get well card, stay well card, um, and then take a picture of it and submit it to me, uh, code15project at gmail.com. Or I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Code15Project, and they can just tag me in it. Fantastic stuff. Well, Laura, thanks so much for shedding a little bit of light into the Code15 Project and into this latest campaign. And thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Thanks for having me. touch base with Leslie Evans, the executive director for the Federation of Calgary Communities. We've had her lined up a couple of times this week and just keep getting pushed around with all these different news conferences. And so, uh, Leslie, thanks so much for being so nimble on this. First question for you, how challenging is it to try to build communities while we continue to talk about these uh, social isolations and social spacing? Well, I think the biggest impact is... Perhaps people not having places to go or or connection with neighbors and people in their community. So I'm really thinking social isolation and loneliness will be one of the biggest impacts facing our communities. I know the community associations have their halls and those things are going to be empty for the foreseeable future. I mean, from a from an infrastructure standpoint, even there's going to be a lot less um, that the communities are able to rely upon. 
Well, what's interesting is community associations themselves have not been closed uh, officially yet. Right. Some of they're all independent, not for profit. So some of them are in the process of saying, you know what, we are going to close, but instead of having the building open, we're actually going to um, do some outreach work. One community, for example, is putting um, kind of little notes in people's mailboxes saying, what can we do to support you? And uh, kind of then having an email that, or a phone number that could go back to uh, the community so that they can mobilize perhaps a, a group of volunteers to support isolated seniors, for example. Others are remaining open, but they've cut their um, their occupancy in half. So I think over the course of the next couple of days, you know, at the pace things are evolving, we might see more of these closures. So um, we're trying to ramp up as the Federation of Calgary Communities ways that people can connect with each other while maintaining social distance. So we're resourcing a whole bunch of different ideas right now. How challenging is that to kind of aim at a moving target? Well, it's it's incredibly uh, challenging. I mean, we've had three different ideas on how we were going to start today and uh, how we're moving uh, forward. So, uh, and we're trying to connect with with our folks. We have about 230 not-for-profits we support, and the different questions coming in. I mean, there's a funding uh, challenge. Uh, you know, like when they start closing, how do they pay for even their um, their staff or their lights in their building, for example? So, and these are all volunteer-run associations, so uh, lots of them don't have senior paid staff. Uh, you know, if they do have paid staff, they're, you know, administrators or, or, you know, kind of people that run program. So, I mean, this is a real crisis for a lot of not-for-profits, not just community associations, but frontline serving organizations as well. Um, so, you know, and we're all trying to do our best to support people uh, to, you know, stay healthy both mentally and physically during uh, this crisis. And obviously one of the other aspects of this is is thinking outside the box a lot more, but at the same time making sure that you're doing it in a respectful and responsible way. Absolutely. And what, what's fascinating is technology is... is, is <laughs> unbelievable when you're forced into a situation like this. I mean, we have access to things like Teams and Skype and, and uh, you know, we have a, a subscription to Zoom. And boy, in the last few days, have we figured out how to use this technology <laughs> to connect with not only the volunteers that run the associations we support, but potentially to show them how to support neighbors with that technology. So we are trying to band together to get, uh, you know, use of this technology, um, knowledge of how to use it out to to community uh, people. So, you know, we're just starting to, to kind of <laughs> describe how to use these things. But at the same time, I mean, you know, these crises force us all to look at what technology is available that we, we haven't been accessing and, and really mobilize it. What's your main message to community associations, to nonprofits, to the organizations, and also to the residents of this city and of this community who are sitting here going, I don't know what the role of the community is going to be over the next little while? Well, I think that's the big question. I think, um, bottom line, we all need to come from a place of how do we support each other? And I think it will look different depending on if you're a community association or a neighbor or a not-for-profit that supports the most vulnerable Calgarians. But I think we all have to come uh, from a place that we're all in this together and we all need to support each other through this very difficult time 
and, and I think it will look different and it's okay to look different. Um, and let's rely on each other. If we've got good ideas, let's share them. Let's join different Facebook groups and let's just be there for each other. We're, we're all people and we're all trying to get through this. Very well said. Leslie, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome, Joe. Take care. Thank you to all of our guests, and thanks to all of you for downloading and listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe as we will have a new episode every weekend. And if you can, leave us a rating and review to help spread the word. Special shout-out this week to my content producers, Angela Cocott and Kevin Usselman, for helping put the show together as we all began working remotely. Also want to thank technical producer Matt Ayer for putting this podcast together. Until next week, thanks again for tuning in to Calgary Today on 770 CHQR and for checking out the Calgary Today podcast.